Thank you for listening to Because Radio. I'm your co-host, Sunny Promolo. And if you're a Winnipegger, I'm sure you visited Assiniboine Park multiple times throughout the year. And during those visits, many of you may have noticed a new and exciting area in the park. And with me today is Gerald Dilliman, Senior Director of Horticulture for the Assiniboine Park Conservancy, to talk about that. So thanks for joining us, Gerald. Thanks for having me. As I mentioned, many people enjoy the park, but may not necessarily know who makes the park happen. Gerald, can you tell me about the Assiniboine Park Conservancy and what is the role of the Conservancy? Sure. The Conservancy is a, a nonprofit organization. So if you ever hear the term Assiniboine Park Conservancy, that's, that is that nonprofit organization that is responsible for the operation and management of Assiniboine Park and Zoo. And so the whole team here is responsible for all of the amenities and activities and the maintenance of, of everything that you see and experience when you come to the park or the zoo. And so whether it's a, an animal care attendant or a, a horticulturalist or uh, someone who works in the park cafe, or even myself, we're all employees of this nonprofit organization, the Conservancy. And our number one goal is, is again, is the, the management and operation of the site. We work sort of, I guess, essentially at an arm's length from the city. So we're independent and separate of that. But if you're a, a Winnipegger and you're coming to the park, the experience should be a park visit. And so that, that's the number one goal for the, the visitor experience in that sense. So in a nutshell, that's what that's who we are and that's what we do. And, and the Conservancy has been in existence. So this, this relationship has been in existence for about 10 years. We're about 10 years old as an organization. And within those 10 years, there's been a number of um, changes and developments that have happened at the park. And that's, that's a result of this Conservancy. And um, basically, there's three key pillars that have happened uh, over that time. The heart of the park would be the first section. So that's the, the children's nature playground, the duck pond and the park cafe and, and just sort of the reconfiguration there and that part of the park. Phase two was a lot of work in the zoo and the journey to Churchill exhibit. So that's with all of the, the uh, animals and the northern experience that you would see at the zoo uh, with the polar bears and the muskox and that sort of thing. And then phase three is the what's currently under development and that's the leaf and the gardens at the leaf. And I think that's what we're going to talk about today, but that's that's sort of the, the stage three of, of the role of the Conservancy. Absolutely. So many things going on. And as you mentioned, uh, today we'll be talking about the LEAF, uh, which is Canada's Diversity Gardens. Where did the idea for the LEAF come about? That That's grown over time. So there's always been this plan for these three-pronged approach of addressing the management of the park. So the heart of the park, the zoo, and a horticultural attraction. I think that's the phrase I'll use right now because we didn't know 10 years ago exactly what is this going to take shape and what is it going to look like and how's it going to be. But we knew essentially that we needed to, to upgrade some of the facilities here at the park. And we used the phrase, what is a, a modern public garden? What is a modern garden? And, and what is a modern conservatory? And so with that in mind, then the development of, of what you see today sort of came to unfold. I guess one of the key things that we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that we created a place that people feel comfortable, feel welcome, and feel safe. And those are key things. But we wanted to add that layer of horticulture to it. And so it's a garden, and it's a garden that, that provides those, those types of things. But the other thing is, is we didn't just want to create a garden that you come and see and say, oh, that looks that looks pretty, that looks nice, and then carry on with your day. We wanted to sort of go a little bit deeper and, and get a sense of really have people connect with the space. Um, and, and so Winnipeg is a, is a really diverse community and of people with many different backgrounds. 
um, and, and experiences. And we wanted, again, that concept of feeling welcome, feeling part of the, the garden, feeling safe in the garden. And so we reached out to a number of different people, different cultural organizations, and, and they connected us with individuals that they were aware of. And we asked individuals and people, how do you welcome someone to your home? And, and what happens in that, in that context? And it was a conversation. And eventually people start talking about food or they start talking about uh, a gift or they start talking about a celebration. And in every case, there's always a plant related to that. There's always a story. There's always a connection. And that's where we honed in on. And that's what we wanted to talk about in the leaf and the gardens at the leaf. And so what you see when you come to the gardens is you see a series of different spaces, a series of different gardens or naturalized spaces. We use, we, I use the broad term garden, but there's actually a number of different spaces there. Um, some of them are indoor components in, in, a, in what we call the biomes or the conservatory, the biome spaces, and some of them are outdoor gardens. And that all depends on where a plant is best suited to grow. But in those spaces, we have a lot of opportunities to share the stories that people have shared with us. And so right now we're focused on just getting the gardens established and up and running, but this sharing of stories is something that you're going to see a bit, quite a bit more. And that's, that's that extra layer. That's that extra little bit about connecting with the gardens and being feeling that when you come and visit the garden and you see a story or you see a plant or you see something that reminds you of your own story or your own experience, and then you feel part of the space and part of the garden. And that was key to us. So that that's sort of the underpinning piece of the gardens. And so, there's a number of different components of the gardens. There's about six outdoor sections that are open to the public today, a kitchen garden, a sensory garden, a performance garden, a seasonal garden, the indigenous people's garden, and the grove. And all six of these uh, zones or spaces or gardens, whether they're formal gardens or they're more naturalized spaces, all connect in a sense of that people-plant story, that people-plant relationship. And they're different stories, they have different themes, and it's expressed in different ways. Sometimes it's expressed through art and some of the artwork in the Indigenous People's Garden uh, is, is expressed that way. And, and you'll see that in other components of the garden as well. So that's our long way of describing just sort of what is the garden and, and current, and that's what's open to the public today. And we're going through a similar process inside the biomes with about four different sections in the garden, in the biome section. I know I've been there multiple times this year already, and it's, Beautiful. One of the features, as you mentioned, of the leaf is the Indigenous People's Garden, uh, which was supported by the Winnipeg Foundation. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about the details and features of the Indigenous People's Garden and their meanings? I can share the story that's been shared with me with the garden. And I'll give you a little bit of background with the garden itself. And, and we say it's a garden, but um, I think it's fair to say that's a broad term for a naturalized space, but we call it the Indigenous People's Garden. And then the name could change accordingly. But right now, if we were referring to a space, that's the Indigenous People's Garden. And like all components of the project, they had to go through a design process, a design phase. What is this garden? How does it look? How do you navigate through it? How do you, you know, where are the pathways and what do you see when you're in that space? And I was not in the position to sort of describe what that is or to say what that is. And, and our design team as well, our initial design team, who are sort of the key developers of the space, also said that. And so the, the conversation led to, well, who's a, where can we find a really good Indigenous design team? 
to lead us through this process. And we got connected with a great design team, uh, a local team of individuals, Dave Thomas and, and Cheyenne Thomas and Mamie Griffith. And the three of them brought a whole new dynamic to this space. And what they did was we had a, a, an initial conversation, basically what you and I just talked about of, we want to connect people to this to this space. We want to make people, we want to make sure people feel safe and welcome. And this is what we're thinking of doing. There's an outdoor and an indoor component and their eyes just lit up and they had so many ideas and thoughts of how an indigenous gardens could be part of this and, and how it could connect to all of this and be a space that includes that. And what they did was they held a number or facilitated a number of what they called visioning sessions, brainstorming sessions with uh, various elders, youth, knowledge keepers who, who are knowledge keepers of plants and connections to the land. And again, they simply posed the question of, of what is an Indigenous people's garden? And they generated a lot of ideas, a lot of thoughts and together uh, and, and the culmination of those conversations and a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations that Dave had with a number of other people resulted in what you see today when you come to the gardens. And there's there's two key features or key key spots within the Indigenous People's Garden. And that one is called the fire node and the other is called the water node. And so that came out of those conversations it's a, of two key elements uh, that connect to the land, fire and water. And if you go to those spaces, there's there's some art components there. And, and Dave is, is much better at expressing what this space is and, and its meaning. But essentially you'll see um, in the fire node, a graphics along a wall, and in the water node, you'll see some spheres placed by the water node. And both elements in, in, their, in their fashion and their style celebrate the change of season and celebrate the connection to the land. And so um, they don't necessarily refer to a very particular specific story, but really they're cues or notes or reminders to anyone of the change of season. And that's what you'll see on those graphics there. And so, and again, the inspiration for those graphics that you see came from those stories, those connections and those, those conversations. So the Indigenous People's Garden is a really heartfelt look at the relationship between Indigenous culture and the landscape and, and how it changes over time and over the season. And then where it's sited within the outdoor gardens at the leaf is within a, a meadow space. And so a naturalized meadow that's adjacent to some of the other gardens and then the a number of pathways connect to the other gardens. The other thing is we have a kitchen garden. And so again, the conversation of food, food is, food is universal. Everyone has a connection to food. So there are components in the kitchen garden too, that have an indigenous connection in that sense as well. So that's sort of the, the version of the story that I share of how the garden came together. Dave and Mamie and Cheyenne, they can add much more richness to that story and, and more depth to it. But that's sort of the process that we went through to develop what you see in the garden today. You've mentioned the kitchen garden, but there's also the seasonal garden, sensory garden, performance garden, and the grove. Can you tell us briefly about each one of those? Sure. They all offer a different, uh, slightly different landscape experience when you're wearing, when you're in each, all three of them. The kitchen garden is, is what it is. It, it's, it celebrates food and our connection to food. Um, and so I have found over the course of the summer that this is where people congregate. This is where people, uh, when they visit, they point and they recognize. They see, oh, there's okra. You're growing okra. And oh my goodness, you have chickpeas or purple cauliflower. Like I, so, you know, there's just odd things and interesting things. And it's a conversation starter is what it is. And so that's the kitchen garden. It's just the, this culmination of food and vegetables. The produce from that garden goes to one of three spaces, one of three places. Some goes to our restaurants here at the park. Some goes to the zoo. 
And then a large amount ends up going to different food banks here in the city. So that's our connection with the food component of the kitchen garden. The other gardens, the other ornamental gardens are a performance garden. So again, that's essentially an amphitheater that's in, in the garden. And it's a space for performance, a space for cultural performances or, or artistic expression. We wanted to create a space where people can share their stories and their experiences. So maybe it's not necessarily a horticultural experience, but it is a, an experience in the garden. The sensory garden is full of plant material that connects to your senses, whether it's smell or touch or how certain plants react in the wind and how they take shape. And then the seasonal garden is a garden full of perennial plants that, that change in the season. And that garden has been a real spectacular showstopper. That's where the, the plants are. That's where the, the color is. Even within the summer, if you came every two weeks, it would feel like a different place because the different plants are at their peak at different times of the, the summer and into the fall even. And then the grove is the, the final piece on the eastern section of the garden area. And that's really a garden of trees where we, we focus mostly on trees and shrubs. Um, a big conversation here in Winnipeg is, is our uh, tree canopy here in the city is a lot of uh, American uh, elm or ash. And so our goal in the grove is to showcase uh, as many different types of trees and shrubs as we can, alternatives to, to those uh, trees that you can grow here. So different experiences in different parts of the gardens, but they're all connected in a, in a sense of these story sharing opportunities, and then also pathways connect all of them together. That's amazing. And you touched on this a little bit, but how does the experience change from season to season? So that, that was a, another key thing that we wanted to, to provide for is uh, ultimately we hope that the space is a a year-round experience. I mean, we don't think of gardens as winter spaces, but we do want to encourage people to be here in the wintertime. So the garden changes over the seasons and in the garden season in particular, with you know spring bulbs and then sort of uh, you know your tulips and your daffodils, we didn't have them this year, but we're planting them right now. So next year there's going to be a whole spring component that we didn't see this year. And then there'll be the whole summer uh, experience where again different perennials, different plants ebb and flow throughout the season, and that's the goal of this of these gardens. There's very few annuals, so those are the plants that you plant in the spring and they last for the summer, and then they once the frost comes, then they're they're done. There's not as much of that in these particular gardens. So again, it's all about the perennials and how they ebb and flow through the season. There's a lot of ornamental grasses in these gardens. And so they peak at this time of year. So again, you think of the garden season as being done, but there's still these ornamental grasses that are, have different heights and they're you know, different colors and they just add an extra element to these gardens. So throughout the season, you see something slightly different. Our other goal is to make sure that these gardens are, look and feel different than the English garden and the Leo Mole garden, which are other gardens here at Assiniboine Park, because we didn't want to repeat the same thing. We, those gardens are very special to the park and to the visitors, and we want to make sure that they we maintain the fact that they are special and unique to what you see here in the southeast corner of the park. What has foundation support meant for the LEAF? This has been an amazing opportunity to, to work with the foundation and it gives us the chance to share these stories. It gives us the chance to connect with the community and, and the Winnipeg Foundation in particular has supported the, uh, the Indigenous People's Garden. And so what has been so meaningful is in working with the Indigenous design team, they came on board very early in the project. It's not a conversation that we had with them right before we opened and said, oh, we have this project. Can you can you come on board and help us finish this? No, they were part of the, at the very beginning. And that's due to the support of the Winnipeg Foundation is to have this team of Indigenous designers 
who are, are part of the project from the beginning in that design process. And so the foundation has provided us the opportunity to connect with this community and to really create a place that that is a place of meaning. And so that's been very, very special. So Gerald, what is next for The Leaf? And do you have anything else that you would like to add before we go today? The beautiful thing about a garden is that it's always growing. Yes, the major infrastructure is in, but it's it's going to keep growing. And so these gardens will change and develop over time. Uh, they'll mature, they'll fill in, there's, there's trees and shrubs and, and perennials. And so these stories will keep growing, you know, these, these people stories, these connections will keep growing. So that's always going to keep going. That's the one part of my brain. The other part that's on the front of my mind is we, we still have to open the actual leaf itself, the actual leaf building. And so our goal is that that will be open by the end of next year is our hope that we're open to the public. And inside the leaf, we're showcasing plant material from other parts of the world. So tropical, subtropical regions of the world, Mediterranean climates of the world, tropical butterflies will be there. Uh, and then a display area where we showcase just different seasonal aspects or seasonal themes uh, in, a, in a horticultural display hall, essentially. So that's on the horticulture side, that's still uh, what our current focus is on for the coming year, getting that up and running. And then the leaf itself also has a classroom. So there's a whole education program that can um, align with all of this. There's a, a facility for holding workshops, holding classes, bringing kids in, bringing adults in for, for organized programs. The LEAF itself will have a, an event space and a restaurant as well. So all of these amenity spaces are also associated with the LEAF that will help facilitate and make this a really uh, unique attraction here within in the park and within the city. So combined, there's a fair bit of work still to do, but uh, uh, I'd say the, the garden space is up and running and the LEAF itself will be soon after. I know I'm excited and I, I really can't wait. So thank you again, Gerald. And thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, be sure to check out The Leaf at Assiniboine Park. And if you're like me, don't forget your camera because it's absolutely breathtaking. And be sure to just connect, connect with nature, connect with the garden. Once again, this is Sunny Promolo and you're listening to Because Radio. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org.